You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. This week it is myself again, Colin Kelly as always. I don't know why I said this week again, but uh, on today's show... We were supposed to have Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, but uh, I'm delighted to say that we have a guy on that I've wanted to get on the podcast for a long, long time. It's Nick Giffen. Uh, you'll know him on Twitter as Rotodoc, and uh, it's our pleasure to have him on. And uh, thanks, Nick, for jumping on at, at really short notice. Unfortunately, uh, something came up with uh, Mike, but uh, we're delighted to, to get you on the show today. Yeah, happy to do it and happy to be on the podcast, guys. I can't believe uh, we're less than a month away from the regular season. Yeah, it's really, really crazy. And um, we're going to talk a little bit later on the show about the RV32 series with uh, Rotoviz. I've plugged it quite a number of times over the last couple of weeks. And uh, there's been a lot of great episodes, but uh, Nick has done quite a, quite a lot of those episodes along with myself on, on that series as well. So we'll be talking about those and maybe some of the, the stories that we go through a little bit later. We'll be able to share a little bit more extra insight on those, of course. Uh, Doug, I know you're on the other line and I'm sure the listeners are waiting. Doug is my co-host here on the show. We've been having a lot of fun over the last couple of weeks <laughs> at Doug's expense. But uh, Doug, all positive feedback on Twitter this week for yourself. You're damn right there is. Um, no, it, it's it, like like Nick said, it's it's exciting football. You know, it really starts tonight. Uh, obviously, we had a, a preseason game last night, but we're, we're getting multiple games tonight and we're finally going to see some uh, the the closest remnants to real football since uh, since February, which it's crazy to think it's been over ten months. Um, I'm sorry, not ten months, but six months since uh, since the Super Bowl. So it's, it's crazy to think, but it finally the wait is over. Yeah, and Doug, as well for you. It's been a it's been a tough six months uh, after seeing the Patriots left that uh, Lombardi Trophy. It's been a, a long spell for the the Patriots fans out there. They 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 lift the trophy like I I carry you on this podcast. No no you you give me as you said you give me all this crap. So I think it's only fair that I give you some because again I will never let this down. You have a fa- a picture of your face plastered on the official Twitter account of Overtime Ireland because your ego can't even fit in that little bubble. It's ridiculous. Just remember, I make uh, I make all the decisions around here, Doug. So uh, it's always good to just keep you on a little bit of a leash uh, on the podcast. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, yeah, why don't you why don't you come over to the states and we'll talk. <laughs> For all the people uh, for listening and tuning in, maybe because uh, a retweet of uh, Nick or something like that, that you've come along and listened for the first time, please do uh, hit that subscribe button if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher and give us a rating and a review on there. It does help the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's not always, uh, as you'll fi- figure out as the show progresses, not always uh, Doug shouting randomly in the background. But time for a few plugs now as well. Now I've been promoting it over the last couple of weeks, uh, the Amazon links that I've been retweeting out on Twitter. If you do use Amazon, whether it's uh, the .co.uk site or the .com site, I do have affiliate links now for both of them for OTA. So if you do use them, please uh, do click on them. Uh, you can bookmark the page and then use it if you are going to buy something in the future. And they click a little bit back here to OTA and helps uh, support the podcast. So I really do appreciate that. And of course, uh, anyone that's listening to podcasts, a lot of people maybe check out audiobooks as well. And they have also with Amazon and uh, Audible, they have uh, for the US listeners, you can uh, get two free audiobooks on a 30-day free trial. And for the UK ones, you get one free audiobook on a 30-day free trial. And I, I've tried it out and uh, the audiobooks are such a library there. Well, 
whether it's sports uh, i know my brother uh, farmer host here on the podcast uh, dj is a, a big patriots fan and uh, he actually with me we were listening to one of the audiobooks the last day and talking about the story of tom brady and bill belichick and what they've accomplished in new england so there's lots of great books on there sports related uh, i know it goes everything from harry potter all the way through so do uh, check that out if you go to the at overtime ireland twitter feed i'll be continuing to tweet it out and uh, if you click on the images there should be an image there of both the amazon links and the audible links and there's a section up now on the website as well uh, where you can find all the affiliate links that I've got going on at the moment. Uh, it is on the affiliate page uh, on OverTimArland.com. So do check that out. It all kicks a little bit back here to the podcast. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a fun week as uh, a lot of news has started to come out. You know, it's been up until this point we were kind of searching for topics to talk about on a weekly basis. But this week uh, we certainly have no shortage of topics to go through. There's actually, like like you expect when uh, training camp and so on starts, there's lots of injuries and that to go through. But uh, the, the rumours with Andrew Luck continue to progress. Uh, Colts GM Chris Ballard was talking uh, on NFL Network this week and said that it's with luck on his shoulder he should be ready for week one but it keeps lingering on, lingering on. We've talked about it here a few times on the podcast. You know, they've said that there, he remains without a timetable and so on. It looks now like week one is in question. Possibly that he should be back very, very early in the season. Pop uh, seems to be out of the question but Nick how worried are you with uh, the situation with Andrew Luck? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, there wasn't a whole bunch of news, and obviously now uh, we're getting the news that he, you know he could miss some time, and and uh, so it's pretty tough. If, I mean, if he misses a couple games, I'm a little less worried about the Colts' offense in general. But if it turns out to be something extended, then. I think there's going to be a lot of issues for some players. Uh, one guy who comes to mind is Dante Moncrief. He's so touchdown dependent. He's actually, by one of my metrics, which I do is uh, I, I adjust efficiency by the depth of the target. Moncrief was one of the worst in the NFL in, in uh, depth-adjusted efficiency. However, he made up for that with a lot of touchdowns. But if the Colts can't move the ball, you know, if they have to go to back up Scott Tolzien for an extended period of time and they, ha- they struggle moving the ball relative to what they do with Andrew Luck, that really scares me for Dante Moncrief because not only will his efficiency, which is already bad, take a hit, but then his touchdown production will also take a hit. So I think Dante Moncrief might actually get hurt the most by this. I still think T.Y. Hilton will still get his volume. Uh, he's a very efficient efficient player and and, and yes the, probably the whole offense will take an efficiency hit because of moving from luck to tolzine but i think uh like i said that the touchdown impact is going to be much greater and i think that affects moncrief the most uh, i'm not as worried about maybe somebody like jack doyle or even second tight end there eric swope but uh i think really the person that it affects most for me is going to be dante moncrief yeah, I agree, and I think it is going to affect Moncrief, particularly if you get uh, you know his red zone usage and uh, the touchdowns that he puts up. Again, he he is that prime uh, red zone weapon for Andrew Luck and, and the Colts, and you know it reminds me a little bit of what Eric Decker does. Uh, you know, with his touchdown numbers, a lot of it does become touchdown dependent, and uh, Moncrief as well this week uh, missed some time with an injury himself. But I do, from what I can gather, from what I'm hearing at the moment, that he's going to be touch and go I think for week one it wouldn't be a surprise if he misses all the preseason and then plays week one but I think uh, it's looking like we could see Scott Tolzien uh, start week one and then Luck come back week two or three and you mentioned Hilton I think with the workload he's going to get and with the targets that are going to go his way I think he'll still be serviceable even if he misses a couple of weeks I think it's hard to downgrade the players uh, too much if he's only going to miss that first week of the season 
Uh, but you mentioned Scott Tolzien and uh, being a Packers fan, Tolzien is a former Packer. I've seen him playing in MetLife Stadium against the Giants a couple of seasons ago, and uh, let's just leave it that uh, it didn't go too well for the Packers. So we'll see how it goes for the Colts if he starts week one. I won't let you go, Doug, first on the next one. It's Devontae Freeman. He has signed a five-year contract uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, $41.25 million through uh, 2022. Uh, 22 million in guaranteed money and a 15 million dollar signing bonus it makes him the highest paid uh, running back on a multi-year deal Le'Veon Bell if he plays under the franchise tag this year will get 12 million dollars so it's from a multi-deal perspective that he'll be the highest paid but uh, last year he finished as RB6 in fantasy and then the year before that he was RB1 uh, obviously he splits the carries down there with Tevin Coleman were you surprised at uh, the size of this deal for uh, Devontae Freeman or was it just something that you expected so we don't see a lot of uh, you know, high long-term uh, deals given out to running backs at the moment in the NFL? Yeah, I'm not surprised that the team was able to sign him to an extension, but I am surprised, like you mentioned, at, at the size of this deal. It's it's quite it's it, it's quite hefty for, for a running back. I mean, granted, Freeman has been terrific over the past two seasons, and he's definitely deserving of, of, of being one of the highest-paid running backs in the league, but he sort of resets the market a little bit. And you mentioned Le'Veon Bell just briefly. I'm sure he's grinning ear to ear right now because I think if you put the two up against each other, Le'Veon Bell is probably a clear favorite, it, it just a clearly a better uh, running back. So I can only imagine what he's thinking right now um, when it comes to any sort of negotiations. Um, I don't know how it works with the franchise tag, um, but just when he becomes a free agent again. So, But no, Devontae Freeman, it, it's, it's certainly a monstrous deal. Um, certainly well deserving. Uh, I think it, it really does show that they are committed to him, and and I, I I think it does hurt Tevin Coleman a little bit in regards to his fantasy value, just because you know they, they're sort of seen as a one A, one B sort of situation. But I think that you know if anything, this this helps Freeman a little bit. I think that they're not going to pay this kind of money to to sort of be in a committee. Now, granted, I, maybe things don't change, but I certainly don't think that Tevin Coleman's going to see more work than he has unless something happens to Freeman. But if both are healthy, I still expect uh, Freeman to be the workhorse on, on this um, on this team and, and Coleman sort of uh, being a heavily used backup, I guess you could say. Yeah, and I always think you, you do have to look at where the teams uh, invest the money. You know, when you when a running back particularly gets that second contract and it is a lot of money, I, I do tend to pay a lot of attention to it. But when I'm looking at this situation with the Falcons, I think we'll see a very, very similar workload to what we did last year. And I recorded it uh, on Tuesday with Jenna Thomas for the, the Falcons uh, RV32 season preview. And uh, we were talking on it just uh, prior to the time uh, about the situation with the running backs and would a contract be given and we talked about what the possibility of Tevin Coleman being there would they be more likely to pass on giving Freeman a long-term contract and then about 15 minutes after we finished recording <laughs> the news of the contract came out but I, I still see it being a, a very similar workload to what both guys had last year and you know I think it was two seasons ago when Coleman was coming in as a rookie he actually bet out Devontae Freeman in the preseason so there is still that light, that opportunity for him to uh, outperform Freeman what do you think, uh, Nick, and what is uh, maybe some of the stuff you've looked into show with the, the running back splits down in Atlanta? Yeah, I actually, I'm kind of in agreement with both of you. I don't think the workloads are going to change uh, drastically between the two backs. I obviously think 
with them giving that money to Devont- to Devonte Freeman, they're going to plan on using him. Tevin Coleman is, of course, one of the elite backups in the NFL. So uh, it's tough to say that the usage will change. One thing that I think will change is Matt Ryan's efficiency. Matt Ryan, his previous career high in adjusted yards per attempt, which is essentially just yards per attempt adjusted for touchdowns and interceptions, was 7.7. And then last year he had 10.1, so nearly two and a half adjusted yards per attempt better. That pretty much has to come down, and that makes me wonder if the offense will be a little less potent than they were last year. And, and, and of course, the argument goes, well, Matt, Matt Ryan had a similar you know, seven-something adjusted yards per attempt in 2015, but remember, Tevin Coleman missed a lot of time in 2015, and that really led to Devontae Freeman's breakout. And, and so he had much more usage back in 2015 than he had even last year. So uh, I'm not sure Devontae Freeman is going to be a top, you know, Four back, maybe top five back, but I certainly think he's an RB one anyway. Uh, but you know, obviously, right now he's going in that top five or six in terms of running back ADP around around RB six. I'm not quite sure if he'll return that value, but he's still a solid bet to you know to return RB one value as long as he doesn't miss any time with, with injuries or anything like that. Yeah, it sounds, sounds very similar to what I was saying uh, on that podcast. And looking, you know, he's going RB six overall, and I think he's been drafted at a ceiling. You might get a you know an RB four finish out of him, but there's not going to be a huge return on investment there. And you were talking about Matt Ryan too he's the fourth quarterback off the board this year uh, in fantasy football at the moment going early sixth round and you know last year was uh, I think it was the number seventh uh, season overall for historical output by an offense and there's absolutely no way that's going to happen again so there is there has to be a regression from him and I, I do expect that I still think that he's going to have a very solid season but I, I think you know as going as the quarterback four at this point in time there's not you know a huge huge uh, opportunity for uh, growth there at that point so he's somebody that I'm uh, kind of passing on this season running through uh, going I suppose to another quarterback and I probably should have started the news with this part but uh, Ryan Tannehill uh, he got injured uh, last Thursday shortly after we finished recording his left ACL is partially torn again injured at the end of last season that uh, caused him to miss the, the playoff game that they lost to the Steelers uh, the Dolphins have not yet determined whether he's going to have surgery on that ACL, but they did agree to terms with Jay Cutler on a one-year $10 million contract. Uh, in your opinion, how does, uh, I'll let you go first, Doug, how does uh, Cutler coming in uh, affect the kind of overall value of the Miami Dolphins' skill positions? Do you think they're in a better position now or a worse position than they were a week ago with uh, Tannehill as the starting quarterback? Yeah, I certainly don't think that they're better um, with with Cutler at quarterback. Um than, than Tannehill. I think that Tannehill fits this offense well, and obviously it's been sort of tailored that way for him. But, you know, he's sort of, and, and I, this is now the third time I've used this sort of expression this week, um, where I think he's sort of a, a, a mobile, high-end game manager type guy. I don't think he's a trusted gunslinger, but I think he makes most of the short to intermediate throws you want out of him. He can, you know, he can find his way throughout the pocket and, um, you know, uses legs when he needs to to actually get yards. But, you know, Cutler comes in, and everybody, everybody says that, you know, he had his best season when Gase was the offensive coordinator um, in Chicago in 2015. Um, but I'd like to point out that he threw for less than 4,000 yards, had 21 touchdowns and 11 interceptions that season. So his best season, who knows what that – you know, I'm not saying that, you know, it, it's not good, but it's certainly not what it's – you know, put up on a pedestal to be like. So I think if anything, this offense stays about the same. Um, obviously, Cutler is not necessarily a, as much of a mobile guy where he's going to you know, actually run for yards as much as Tannehill might. 
Um, I still think they're going to – I think this is a, a run-first offense. Despite what they've done with their wide – they have a, a, a solid trio with Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry, and Kenny Stills. I still think this is a run-first offense um, with JHI as their, as their, I guess, focal point of the offense. So I, I don't know how much this changed. Maybe it, it helps, you know, a, a guy like I don't even, Devontae Parker – um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, what, what Jay Cutler looks like when he throws to the slot uh, with Jarvis Landry, but he's caught for at least, I think, 90 catches the past three seasons. Um, you know, so I'm not concerned, really, because I think they're still going to focus on him. So I don't really think much of this offense changes. Maybe it gets a little bit worse, but I certainly don't see it getting any better, but I don't think their game plan is going gonna, is, is gonna to really change much because even in 2015, I think Matt Forte was still a featured guy for them anyway in Chicago when Gase and Gutler, uh, Cutler were there. So I, I just don't really see much of a change. Um, this is really more so a move to bring in some sort of stability at the quarterback position and not have a guy like Matt Moore or Brandon Dowdy throwing the ball. Uh, Cutler's proven that he can be somewhat adequate in Adam Gase's offensive scheme. So that's that's sort of my takeaway. I, I think it stays about the same, maybe a little bit worse, but certainly I don't think it gets any better. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, there's no doubt in my opinion that Cutler's better throwing the, the deep ball than uh, Ryan Tannehill, but uh, Tannehill had uh, improved over the last couple of seasons, and I thought he was going to get another step forward this year. I am surprised that, uh, you know, with that kind of looks very bad for the Dolphins now that they decided not to have that uh, knee surgically repaired uh, when he hurt it at the time, and now they've just got re-injured again. Looks like a really bad decision, obviously, hindsight being twenty twenty. I think I, if I was a Dolphins fan, I would have rather run into the season uh, with Ryan Tannehill. I see some people starting to think that uh, Cutler can uh, you know, help them try and get to the playoffs again. We'll see what happens uh, there. But w- with, you, with your opinion, Nick, on that, what, what do you think? Uh, how does it shake things up for the, for the Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, as Doug mentioned earlier, the offense was kind of built around uh, the Ryan Tannehill-Jarvis-Landry uh, connection, I think. I mean, you know, Tannehill is such a very good uh, game manager. He loves throwing. You know, he he throws a lot shorter in general in terms of depth of target uh, than Cutler has over his career. And so Jarvis Landry, with the you know, an average depth of target around six and a half, seven yards over his career, uh, made it for a perfect fit with Jay. Or, sorry, with Tannehill. Now with Jay Cutler coming in, a little bit more of a gunslinger, longer average depth of target. I wonder if some of that does take away from Jarvis Landry a little bit, and maybe shifts toward a Devonte Parker, or even maybe a Kenny Stills. Yeah, who's who's definitely a, a deep ball threat as well. So, um, you know, one thing I like to look at is just the uh, the air yards, which is a, a metric that Josh Hermsmeyer ha- really relies on over at Rotoviz. And uh, going over to airyards.com, which is a site there, uh, Devontae Parker in 15 games actually had more air yards, 1,047, than Jarvis Landry had in 16 games, 853. So if Jay Cutler is a little more efficient with that deep ball, maybe it does present a little bit of a boost to Devontae Parker. Uh, and in that case, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I actually don't mind targeting Devontae Parker at his ADP right now. Yeah, and, you know, there was already talk of uh, the possibility of him maybe taking a, a step forward and producing a little bit more this season. So uh, I think it does help him. I think, as you mentioned there, it helps Kenny Stills. I th- still think the team's offense is going to be built around uh, Ajayi in the running game. But uh, it'll be interesting to see as well, just not even from a fantasy football perspective, but with Landry uh, in the last week as well, there's been you know reports of uh, off-the-field issues for him, or reports of a battery incident, uh, uh, you know, a domestic situation. But at the moment, there's nothing has come off that. But obviously, he's going into a contract here with the team, and 
maybe if uh, they're not looking at having him there long term and Gase probably has a, a long term vision for the team as well hoping to be there long term maybe they start to move away from that and it'll be interesting to see we'll probably know after the first couple of weeks of the season if they're changing to more of a, a deep passing obviously if they can get things going off play action if Ajayi can get going early in the season we'll see what happens there but I think it might give a little uptick there to uh, Kenny Stills as you mentioned and we have seen in, so far in his career that Parker can uh, have devastating effects uh, on, on more uh, deep deep passes so it's going to be uh, an interesting one to see but as uh, we can all allude to I think the team probably is a, as a whole better off with Tannehill and him trying to progress even further uh, the next one up is uh, Quincy Anunwa and he was scheduled to be uh, the wide receiver one for this Jets team this year but he uh, is going to miss the rest of the this season with a bulging disc in his neck he has been sent to IR by the Jets and uh, uh, Todd Bowles had said that he wouldn't be cleared for another six to nine months so last year he had a kind of a breakout season there uh, obviously Decker missed a lot of the season last year for the Jets but he broke out with 800 yards uh, in 2016 so it was a contract year for him as well and uh, you know he's somebody who over the last two or three seasons if you're playing dynasty uh, he kind of or even in redraft was a buy low target and he was kind of developing year on year and you know with the situation with the Jets at the moment there isn't a lot on offense uh, what do you think now um, Nick happens with the, who's left there somebody who I was taking flyers on uh, early in the offseason was Robbie Anderson then obviously Austin Safarian Jenkins is there but he's suspended for the first four games and uh, then they have uh, Matt Forte and Bilal Powell is there anybody else there you see value in and uh, were you expecting uh, big things this year or decent things from uh, Quincy Nunwa? Yeah, I thought Anunwa was definitely a value where he was going, uh, obviously, before the injury in terms of ADP. And I thought the offense was definitely going to run through him after Eric Decker got uh, released and then signed with the Titans. So, uh, you know, I, I, Bilal Powell, Matt Forte, and, and, and uh, Anunwa, of course, I think the offense was going to run through, depending on which running back was in the field. But now with Anunwa out, it really brings a question mark as to what's going to happen in this receiving game. I know a lot of people are, are getting very high on Austin Safarian Jenkins. I'm not one of those people. People. If we look at Austin Safarian Jenkins' career, his highest uh, you know, targets per game in a, in a single season was five and a half. So let's say somehow he gets six and a half targets per game. That's only 100 targets. I haven't, I've, I've seen some people say he's going to get 120 or something like that. But we also have to remember that Austin Safarian Jenkins has never played more than nine games in a season. He's had attitude problems. He's already scheduled to miss the first two games of the year. So actually that 100 target number that I threw out there was over a 16-game season. So we actually have to subtract 30. 13 targets off of that so really around 90 targets we can expect if he sets a career high by one target per game and then you know Charles Kleinhexler who's a, an editor at Rotov has also written a piece about how people who get players who get suspended for various reasons tend to have this repeat thing happen so I know Safarian Jenkins wants to improve his behavior improve his rapport with teammates and coaches and obviously the Jets are a relatively fresh face for him but it's tough I mean he wasn't used heavily last year even in the seven games he did play with the Jets so uh, obviously, you know, new offensive coordinator, but the offensive coordinator now was has primarily been a wide receivers coach throughout his year, his career. But back in 2004, I, I think it's John Morton. He was a tight end coach at Oakland those Oakland tight ends didn't do anything and and so it's tough to say that you know they're going to get a boost at the tight end position just from a new offensive coordinator so uh, I'm not on on Austin Sperian Jenkins as as other people might be uh, I'm also not a Robbie Anderson I just don't think he's that good although he probably will see some volume uh, and then you know the rookie wide receivers are Darius Stewart and Chad Hansen I kind of like Chad Hansen a little bit better than our Darius Stewart just based off of some of their college metrics but it's a, a really mess 
messy situation there. Yeah, you mentioned Anderson as well. For me, it was more a case of this, somebody in this offense has to put up some numbers over the season who is a volume play, and uh, based now he should get a little bit more volume with uh, Anuno's injury. And you mentioned Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, you know, when he came in with the Buccaneers, there was such high hopes for him. You mentioned him getting into trouble, and he's got into trouble a number of times. He was released then, obviously, by the team before he was picked up by the Jets. But he is a player that has a huge athletic ability. But you mentioned the situation uh, with Charles uh, Kainhaxel's uh, article that, you know, he just fallen into the trap again. We've seen it with Josh Gordon. You know, Martavis Bryant has got reinstated this week, uh, fully reinstated. But, you know, we've seen it with players just relapse and Justin Blackman. The list goes on and on and on. And a lot of the time when these players get into trouble, they, they do kind of relapse and it happens again, unfortunately. So uh, it's just uh, it's hard to trust. And if you're picking them up maybe three or four weeks ago when the expectations weren't as high as a, as a flyer and a, a dynasty waiver wire or something, that's fair enough. But I wouldn't be moving any uh, capital to get him at this moment in time. Uh, just looking then at some other, obviously with the, there's going to be games starting from tonight. We're recording this on Thursday, so there'll be preseason games really ramping up from tonight onwards, and we're going to see a lot of injuries, unfortunately, with that. But we have a couple of players at the moment, and it's kind of hamstring injuries that have started to run rampant. It usually happens at this time of the year, unfortunately. But uh, among players missing multiple practices this week were uh, Tavon Austin, uh, Redskins wide receiver Josh Doxson, pa- Panthers rookie Curtis Samuel, and then Titans uh, Corey Davis, uh, obviously, Davis, uh, quite a bit of been expected of him down there, uh, Tennessee. But when you're looking around uh, those players, Nick, is there any of those that have uh, you know you had an eye on, or is there any players that have missed time this off season that you're you know expecting to uh, have a nice uh, season this year? Yeah, well, certainly not Tavon Austin. I think he's <laughs> terrible. And he actually he comes in dead last in my depth adjusted uh, efficiency for all wide receivers. Dead last, so not very good uh, for Tavon Austin. There, he's definitely gonna have to improve his efficiency for me to want to use him. Um, Josh Doxson, I didn't mind him at his ADP. He's obviously a touchdown threat. The Redskins really liked using him in the end zone and in, in the red zone when he was healthy last year for those couple games. I, I'm a Redskins fan, so I definitely was was paying attention to Doxson. Uh, and then, uh, you know, that, that hamstring thing bothers me a little bit, though, because that's what bothered him last year as well, multiple things. And then hamstrings just in general are tough because they tend to be recurring injuries. Jeremy Funk, who's uh, over at Dynasty League Football, does a lot with injuries, and he says that's one of the most recurring injuries in the whole of the NFL is the hamstring issue. So that concerns me for Corey Davis. There was already some questions on how much the Titans were going to use him. Obviously, a top five overall pick in the NFL draft. There was a lot of hype around him. But then there's been some concerns around how much the Titans will use him. They signed Eric Decker. They've drafted Taewon Taylor. So a lot of... uh, issues there for me with Davis in addition to the hamstring I can't really pick him at his ADP right now even though I know he's been falling so um you know I'm still interested in Doxon but certainly the recurrence of of his problems here have given me a little bit of pause in drafting him I might just avoid some of these guys with hamstring injuries altogether because it is one of the most recurring injuries in the NFL yeah, it is. It definitely is. And, you know, when you're looking at somebody, especially the wide receiver position, when you're trying to sprint, say, 5, 10, 15 yards downfield before making a cut, uh, if your hamstrings, uh, you know, even if it gets back up to 75%, it only takes one time when you're trying to run at 100% again for that to go. So it, it is a very, very concerning injury. And a lot of the time we do see them linger into the season. So uh, it is uh, something that I, I tend to keep a very, very close eye on. And 
uh, I think I'll be kind of if they're if they're still lingering in another week or so, there'll be somebody that'll be uh, coming off my draft board. So keep a keep a close eye on that. Doug, uh, letting you go on the next one is Cream Hunt. He's uh, starting to see or continuing to see first team reps at Chiefs camp. Uh, I've been more of a Spencer Ware fan over the last couple of years, but no doubt uh, Cream Hunt with the draft capital they spent on him this year in the third round, uh, he will push Spencer Ware for the starting job this summer. I, I think Ware, as I mentioned, remains as the starter, but. Do you see uh, Kareem Hunt uh, pushing this one very close or even taking the starting job uh, pre-week one or early in the season? So, um, yeah, I, I think that's something that could definitely happen during the season. Because if you look at what Spencer Ware did um, at the beginning of the season, he, he did really well, but then he sort of tapered off at the end of last season. And I'm a fan of Spencer Ware, and, and obviously uh, Calm can attest to that in our Dynasty League because I got a great deal for him. But um, I, I just think that, you know, everything that's been said about Kareem Hunt – I think that everything mentioned about, you know, what he can do and what he's done already um, by the coaching staff is is really just pointing to, you know, him having some sort of a role in year one. And and I just read something where Charkandrick West, who was a hero at one point for some fantasy owners when uh, Jamal Charles went down uh, with his first knee injury, may not even make the roster, which I think in general just points to how, I guess in a way, how deep this, this running back depth can be. But I think that... Kareem Hunt, I don't think he's going to win any sort of like outright starter job, but I think he could be a 1A to a 1B um, with him being the 1A to Spencer Ware's 1B. I just think that he's obviously a guy that, that they're going to focus on for the future. Um, you know, and they certainly have a few play, uh, you know, playmakers like that with Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey, but I think that we're going to see some sort of way where Hunt's going to get the start, quote-unquote, uh, he'll probably, you know, even have games where he has more carries than Spencer Ware, but I, I don't expect him winning some sort of workhorse role at some point this season, but definitely could increase his role as the, the preseason goes on or even as we get towards the midseason, too. Uh, when we, when you look uh, at the Chiefs, and this was another team I covered for the, the Road of His podcast series, uh, they've won at least 11 games over the last three seasons. Uh, Andy Reid, I think, continues to be underrated for the job he does there. But with the running backs, uh, Spencer Ware last year had a, a very nice start to the season, but suffered a concussion uh, uh, you know, at week eight. And then after week eight, kind of was ineffective. He had a had kind of a not a rookie wall but for somebody who was starting uh, their first full season as the starting running back for the team really did slow down so the efficiency in the first eight weeks compared to the last eight weeks uh, differed tremendously so I think having somebody else there as well that can bear that workload will help him uh, I think like he, I don't think he has a workhorse to take uh, you know all the work and all three downs but I think he can take two-thirds of that work and then I think we'll see Hunt get the other two-thirds so when you're looking at a team that has won over 10 games the last uh, three seasons that's the kind of running back uh, position that I want to have. Some team that are going to have games where they're they're going to try and uh, control the game on the ground when they have those leads. Nick, is there any of those two guys that you do like, or are they players that uh, at their current ADPs you're staying away from? Uh, between the two Kansas City backs, yeah. Uh, so it's funny. I'm I'm a little bit different, I think, than most people in regards to Kareem Hunt. I know there's a lot of hype around him, but I'm just not on the bandwagon. Uh, obviously, I'm a metrics-oriented guy, so there's some metrics that are very concerning for me with regards to Kareem Hunt. Uh, first of all, uh, his his um, his 40 time for his weight was not very good. 4.62 at the combine. Obviously, his strength of schedule was pretty tough, and the fact that yes, he did put up 113 rushing yards per game, but it was it Toledo 
and it took him 20 rushing attempts per game. So he got a lot of volume to do that as well. Uh, the, the one nice thing is his receptions per game. He did have 3.2 in college. So obviously in PPR leagues, he get, gets a little bit of a boost there. But then I look at Spencer Ware, and he's one of the most efficient running backs in the NFL. Joe Hoka of 4 for 4, he does his uh, rushing expectation. He, the number one player for him is Spencer Ware. So I, I'm, I'm not quite as high on Kareem Hunt as everybody else. I think there's a lot of people who are pretty hyped about him, pretty jazzed about him. And I do think he'll obviously get reps. He'll get time. But I believe that Spencer Ware is actually the better back. And that might actually bear itself out over the course of the NFL season. I still think uh, I still think Spencer Ware is the 1A to, to, and then Kareem Hunt being the 1B there. So I, I like Spencer Ware at his ADP more than I like Kareem Hunt at his ADP. Yeah, I agree uh, 100% uh, with that. I was just going to wait and see what you were going to say, but uh, I'm definitely, I've uh, unapologetically been a, a Spencer Ware guy in the podcast uh, over the last two years. I always kind of had a feeling that he was going to be uh, the guy to take over from Charles rather than Trichandrick West, as Doug mentioned, who, who may not make the roster at this point, but he's one of the one uh, kind of call that I'm, I'm proud of over the last couple of seasons, and I think that uh, he should get uh, the majority of the work there this year. Going to go through uh, three bits of news now, and then I'm going to let Doug will force to pick out which one he wants to talk about, and then I'll let you take uh, either of the other two, Nick. Uh, Anquan Bolden has signed with the Buffalo Bills. He's been lining up in the slot so far in training camp with the first-team offense. Uh, he spent 82.9% of his snaps last year with the Lions in the slot, and uh, obviously uh, had a, a nice season for them. A lot of touchdowns involved in that, almost playing a tight end role, along with Eric Ebron there for, for the Lions. But uh, I think he could have a, a nice season this year up there with the Bills, uh, Zay Jones, is uh, there obviously as a rookie you have uh, Sammy Watkins and then you have Charles Clay who the team has said they're going to kind of limit his work during the week to make sure he's healthy for week uh, for the game action at the weekends with his, his knee injury but uh, he's caught at least uh, 56 passes every year since 20 or 2003 so he's, he's been incredibly consistent throughout his career uh, the Browns wide receiver coach Al Williams has been kind of hyping up Duke Johnson uh, Johnson uh, you know, he said he's catching passes as well as any wide receiver. Maybe we're talking about that just being a little bit uh, too much hype uh, at this time off the season. But uh, he's going into his third year, and he's uh, last year finished with a career high 61 catches. Somebody who I'm very interested in seeing, uh, particularly in PPR leagues, what he can do this year. And uh, then the last piece, uh, and I don't know, I think that's what might be the one Doug goes for. Uh, Eagles offensive coordinator Frank Wright has. Uh, you know, there's been rumors this week of a possibility of uh, Jordan Matthews being traded by the Eagles. I think it might be a little bit overblown, but he uh, has been hyping up Nelson Aguilar as well. Uh, are you buying the Aguilar hype, uh, or uh, you know, are you thinking that uh, it's just gonna to try and motivate Matthews and uh, see what happens down in Philadelphia? So yeah, I mean, when it comes to sort of what we've seen so far and what we've heard when it comes to uh, talking about Nelson Aguilar. Um, you know, and Jordan Matthews and obviously the other wide receivers that they brought in with uh, Torrey Smith and, and Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because, uh, you know, you bring in these guys, you know, one of them is really not going to be as much of a factor as the other. That's Smith not doing nearly as much probably as what uh, Jeffrey can do for this offense. Um, but I think that Jordan Matthews, I, I know that they experimented, I think a year ago with him playing on the outside and, and really, that didn't work out because uh, we didn't see him that much on the outside as opposed to, to in the slot. And now you have Nelson Aguilar, who is a former first-round pick. Um, and it's not like he was a surprise first-round pick like Marcus Smith. There were people that were pegging him as, as a, a, you know, a, a back-end first-round pick, early second-rounder. So um, it, it's interesting. You know, you would hope to see some sort of improvement out of him. 
Um, I wouldn't necessarily take him over Jordan Matthews, who for all the, the crap I do give him, and I do give him a lot of crap, he has consistently been one of the, well, he's been one of the most consistent wide receivers in the league uh, over the past few seasons. Not to say that he's, you know, put up uh, blistering numbers, but he's been consistent in, in, in having a high floor when it comes to fantasy relevance. So uh, I, I'm, I still think that Matthews is going to be the guy in that role. Aguilar, I think, has certainly earned some time there. Um, and I think when you when you think about it, you know, Jeffrey and, and and Smith are probably going to be more on the outside anyway. So it's possible that you you're able to somehow play both Matthews and Aguilar at times. Um, I still would take Matthews over it, um, though his his health issues, whatever they are, it was mysterious knee injury, which I feel like he went through last year too. Uh, who knows what's going on with that? So maybe that does deter me a little bit, but in regards to talent and, and, and sort of their histories, I would definitely go with, with Matthews and, and buy into him more than, than uh, the hype that Aguilar is getting right now. Yeah, well, I think there's no doubt if you're doing a draft right now, uh, you're taking, you know, there's there's drafts at the moment where Aguilar's going undrafted, so I think that you're definitely going to take Matthews uh, over him at this point. I, I would be taking him over him anyway. I think it might just be uh, been built up a, a little too much, but by all reports, it seems to be that uh, Aguilar's had a, a big step forward so far this offseason. Is there anything you wanted to add on, on that there, uh, Nick, or did you want to jump onto one of the other two topics? Uh, I'll just add a little bit. I think Nelson Aguilar is is maybe one of the worst receivers in the NFL. Uh, he came in he came in bottom five again. My depth adjusted uh, yards over expect yards per target over expectation. Uh, he's been the last rated wide receiver by Pro Football Focus for two consecutive years. I, I'm I don't you know maybe he's taking a step forward, but how much of a step forward is it from dead last? I, I don't know. That's just uh, kind of what I got right there. But uh, could, yeah, I don't, if could, you don't mind, I'll go. He could, oh, a, go ahead. he could take a massive jump forward this year and uh, jump all the way to eighth worst uh, wide receiver in the NFL. I, I, I was just waiting to say, I, I have no time for Nelson Aguilar, so uh, <laughs> that's the end of that. Exactly, and uh, if you don't mind, I'll jump over to that Browns uh, question there with Duke Johnson because I'm, I'm all about Duke Johnson this year, especially at his ADP. Uh, and it, a lot of this isn't really just numbers-based. Obviously, he gets a ton of targets. I think he's going to obviously continue to see that target volume. Uh, the question is, you know, he, where is he being drafted right now relative to his expectations? He's being drafted right now as the RB, like, 36, somewhere in that neighborhood. He finished his RB 30 last year. And if something were to happen to, uh, you know, obviously to Isaiah Crowell there, he's going to be a workhorse back in all facets of the game. So his upside is literally that of a top 12 running back if you know Crowell were to miss time get injured early in the season we've seen this happen before obviously last year Danny Woodhead with the Chargers got injured early in the season Melvin Gordon absorbed that whole workload finished as a top five PPR back so um, you know I, I think uh, not Isaiah Crowell uh, Duke Johnson has that similar kind of upside he was Sean Siegel uh, he was Sean Siegel's number one zero RB prospect two years ago uh, dropped a little bit last year in terms of his, his zero RB uh, ratings but then I think this year I really do you think Duke Johnson will again be Sean Siegel's number one zero RB candidate? I don't know for sure, but that's my opinion. He's being drafted below his, you know, his 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 finish last year, which I think is kind of around his floor in terms of his range of outcomes. Yeah, I agree with you on the the floor uh, comment there. I think it is. And if you look at you know, obviously Crowell has been I think way overhyped this offseason based on what the offensive line uh, is expected to do in Cleveland. But I expect this team still to lose a lot of games this season. And then you're looking at a pass catching uh, running back who there has been talk of him getting 
getting snaps at wide receiver uh you know and his uh, or I, I mentioned his career high was last season it was actually 2015 where he had the 61 receptions he had 53 last year and then in the rushing attempts uh, he had 104 as a rookie in 73 last year i still expect him to get in around 70 carries this year but if you look at what he's done the one thing that he hasn't done is get into the end zone as a rookie he had two receiving touchdowns last year zero and last year he had one rushing touchdown so he's had three combined touchdowns over two seasons for the efficiencies had from running the ball and catching the ball and I expect this year uh, for that there to have a, a positive regression for him so I think as you mentioned with his draft position I would expect him to be kind of finishing particularly in PPR leagues in that t- top 24 range I think we're going to see a, see a very very nice season for him he's one of my prime uh, candidates that I'm looking for in uh, drafts this year both if I can get him in uh, dynasty leagues and then of course uh, in redraft as well I expect this Browns team to be uh, in, in passing mode quite a bit at the end of games this season looking through some of the news now that um, just I, i've up wrote a world here in front of me and uh, laquan treadwell appears to have got injured uh, early in the week in a, a fight in practice so more bad news for laquan treadwell owners there uh, tyreek hill the star of chief's training camp and it's uh, therese paler who was talking about that and it doesn't state the source but uh, i talked with him early in the week and uh, he was really really hyping up uh, t- uh, tyreek for that rv32 series so maybe that's where they, they got that there maybe an anonymous source but the, any any other news this week? Uh, I've kind of run through them. The Zeke news that uh, possibly that a ruling will come out uh, tomorrow, which is Friday, uh, obviously with his suspension. The sooner the better, I guess, with that news so we can all figure out what to do. Uh, is there anyone, maybe a second RB, that you're uh, thinking that could get a nice workload if he does pick up a, a two or three or even four-game suspension this uh, this year? I think, um, you know, obviously, uh, if if Zeke does get suspended for one, two, three games, uh, there's there's a huge opportunity there with Dallas because, A, they're a good offense. They move the ball. And, B, they have a great offensive line. We all know that. They they made Darren McFadden relevant a couple years ago. They they made, uh, you know, DeMarco Murray had a very good season a few years ago with that same offensive line and then Zeke last year. So three consecutive seasons. They've had three very good seasons from three different running backs. So if Zeke were to miss time, you know, Darren McFadden, I think is going to be the guy. I'm not a huge Alfred Morris guy. Obviously, I liked what he did in Washington when he was there, again, as a Redskins fan. But Darren McFadden is just a bit better talent. And I don't care that he's older you know and he's later in his career he still did it two years ago he still had a productive season behind that offensive line I think he's going to get the first shot at it with a good offensive line a good offense so he's a guy I don't mind taking some shots at you know later on in drafts but uh, it really is contingent on whether Zeke does get this get that suspension or not not so sure now another thing that 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 uh, we can talk about with with Zeke is he is a, a heavy workload running back and heavy workload running backs because they see more touches they have a higher share of higher rate of getting injured so there's always that possibility as well so i don't mind darren mcfadden as a like a, a late round target yeah are you are you on mcfadden doug or uh, are you looking maybe to alfred morris in that one i would have to say darren mcfadden i mean i think that when you when you look at and i'm sure nick brought it up where you know darren mcfadden we saw what we did when um you know in 2015 was it where he came on late in the season, really took over that role, and he finished top five in rushing yards. I, I think that obviously he has the talent. Um, you know, he's trusted by this Dallas front office and um, coaching staff to, to pick up the the slack if needed. Uh, Morris, they've been trying to get rid of for who knows how long now. Um, I think they have. I think they had buyers remorse like thirty seconds after they signed him, um, and it's been that way ever since. Um, 
So I just think that while I'm not saying that Alfred Morris isn't a good running back, I just happen to not like any running backs that ever played in Washington, I guess, besides Clinton Porters, of course. Um, so it's tough for me, but I, I would have to, to probably go with, with McFadden's probably not that tough, actually. So I'll, I'll probably say McFadden just because we see what he can do in this offense. Um, I think he's higher up on that depth chart for them, and I think he's just ultimately more talented and more trusted. Yeah, and um, I, I agree with both the guys there. Uh, we've kind of run through a lot of the news there, so hopefully we've covered most of the topics, prior, probably by, uh, you know, 20 seconds into the first preseason game on Thursday night. Some some of these guys will probably be injured, so uh, we'll, have, we'll have to update you all on that next week on the podcast. But I mentioned Nick uh, being over with Rotoviz. He's the editor-in-chief over there at the website, and you can find him on Twitter as well, at Rotodoc. I mentioned uh, on our podcast the last couple of weeks here on Overtime Ireland uh, about the RV32 series with uh, Rotoviz, where we're covering all 32 teams with beat writers from around the NFL. And uh, we've, we're well through it now. I think we might be up to around 26 after today when I post. Uh, a couple more of them but uh, Nick you recorded the Packers one today and I, I recorded with the Chiefs the Titans and the Falcons this week so lots of good guests but um, have you been enjoying the series so far have you been listening to many of the other ones oh yeah I listen to every single episode it's just been a, a really great job by the team there at Rotoviz uh, obviously headed up by yourself and Matthew Friedman um, just had so many people also behind the scenes a lot of production uh, assistance you know and it's just been a fantastic series that, that you know the episode that I recorded today with the Packers with Ryan Wood of Packernews.com was such a cool episode because there were some insights that I found about you know Ty Montgomery and the running back situation there about the tight ends there uh, just just so many cool insights that we learned by asking these guys who are in the know and uh, it's just just been a great series and I think everybody should check out the road of his uh, team preview series every team we're getting covered and that's that's just really cool yeah, so we're hoping next week's the last week of recording, but uh, there's a master list up on rotaviz.com, and I've been tweeting it out where you can find all the episodes. And if you just want to listen to your team, that's uh, all well and good. But there's definitely, particularly if you're playing fantasy football, as, as uh, Nick mentioned there, there's lots of little snippets that you'll find out. And that's what I've really enjoyed about it. You know, we can talk about all the star players and all the pieces and news that you hear from kind of everything going at the moment in all podcasts. But then with the beat reporters, they're following the team 24-7. There's little bits of news that you find out. So do check that out, and you can follow it on Twitter as well at uh, the hashtag RV32. Uh, so with that, uh, Doug, have you anything going on this week? Uh, we'll let you uh, plug something if you want. <laughs> um, there, There is something going on. I don't, I can't speak about it as secretive as I'm being. Um, it's kind of a surprise that I, I'm waiting to announce when, um, when I'm able to. So uh, when I can, I will, but something is definitely in the works. That's uh, really good news. So uh, it's good news, but it's, it's, it's mystery, mysterious the drama <laughs> the suspense and the drama that, that's called that's called the tease and uh, maybe we'll see doug oh there's a phone going in the background maybe doug's going to join into uh, maybe donald trump's uh, white house staff or something we'll see what happens we'll see what doug has to, to tell us next week on the show but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show nick and make sure for the listeners all to go and follow him uh, at rotodoc on twitter and uh, make sure you check out the rv32 series as i mentioned next packers episode should be out uh, later today early tomorrow so once you listen to the oti podcast get on over and check that out uh, you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and you can follow doug on twitter at dmore nfl so until we're back next week with another show my name's colin kelly and of course have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland check out overtimeireland.com and continue to spread the word
This has been an Overtime Ireland production.